We are LP Magazine, and since 2001, we've been the leader in providing content and education for the loss prevention and asset protection industry, and we are known as the voice and authority of the LP community. Each episode, we'll be sharing and discussing the latest in trends and current issues related to all things retail and profit protection. You're listening to the LPM Podcast. Uh, Well, welcome, everybody. I'm Kevin McMenamin. I'm the Chief Operating Officer for LP Magazine and LPM Media Group. Uh, I'm here today with Nathan Smith, who's the Senior Vice President of Product Strategy for Appris Retail. Nathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks, Kevin. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, excited to have you here on our, uh, our inaugural edition of uh, What's Cooking? So we're going to talk about what's cooking at Appris Retail. You've got some new stuff for us to talk about. So let's talk about what's cooking. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Um, yeah, there's uh, been a lot going on, as you know, and the world has changed significantly over the last 18 months or so. So we've been uh, focusing on understanding well, what's happening in retail and in particularly in the loss prevention areas that we focus in and how can we service our customers and, you know, and our retailers in these great times of need. So, so lots going on, a um, lot of product development and product strategy uh, product changes and, and new things coming online. So, you know, happy to talk you through a lot of those things today and, and see where the conversation takes us. But um, I think one of the biggest themes we've seen, and this won't be a surprise to anybody that's listening, is this increase in e-commerce based traffic over the last 18 months. Clearly we've been through a period of the pandemic where at some point in time, a lot of the stores weren't open and, and all e-commerce went to a, to a, sorry, all retailing went to an e-commerce basis. Um, but now we've kind of come out of that and we're sort of, I don't want to say we're on the other side of COVID yet, because clearly there's still a lot of challenges out there. But as we've seen stores open back up again, we've see, still seen a large amount of that traffic that was redirected to e-commerce sort of stay on that e-commerce platform. And really what we've seen is that retailers, traditionally the brick and mortar retailers that, that have then grown their online presence maybe over the last 10 to 20 years, And now taking a look and saying, well, how do we service our customers consistently across those channels? And how do we create uh, the same level of profitability in our e-commerce business as we do in our brick and mortar business? I think one of the surprises out of this uh, sort of change in in consumer mindset has been the the realization of the costs it takes to run a hybrid omnichannel retailer and the margin pressure that retailers experience in their online channel. Um, you know, clearly, if you go into a, a brick and mortar retailer and buy a shirt or a, or a sweater or whatever it may be, you know, you're going to touch it, you're going to feel it, you're going to like the color, you're probably going to try it on before you buy it. So there's a lot of risk areas in the transaction that are removed just by the physical presence of picking up that garment. If we look at that in the online space, as we know, as we all shop online, you don't really know until that product arrived what it looks and feels like, and it might not be right for you. And then, you know, with retailers offering free shipping, free returns, these types of things, the cost to service that transaction seems very, very high. You know, uh, we were talking to one retailer the other week who said the the average is that their garments go out 2.2 times uh, before they actually land in somebody's uh, house where they where they stay. And if you think, you know, if you take industry averages of maybe $10 an item per direction of shipping, if you're shipping a product four times before somebody's getting it, 
at $10, a sh $10 per ship, you know, you're at 40 bucks. What does that do to your margin? If it's a 60 or $70 sweater, your margin's just getting eaten up just in external shipping costs. So, you know, this, this sort of acceleration of e-commerce traffic has really started to give omnichannel retailers in particular a bit of challenge in that they've been praying for online sales growth for years and years and years, and that's happened all of a sudden. And now they realize that that online business maybe isn't quite as efficient as the brick and mortar businesses that they've been polishing for the last 30, 40, 50 years to get absolutely fine tuned. So where we've been focusing is looking at the opportunities between brick and mortar and online and understanding where the processes break down, where there are holes in the processes that can be exploited by bad actors, where there are holes where we're just losing money as businesses just because we, we haven't thought through all the, all the flows other than maybe the happy flow about how product moves through the business. Um, and then really looked at how do we leverage our capabilities of data science and machine learning to be able to offer real-time tailored experiences to consumers which give them the most value, but also ensure that the retailers are operating in the most profitable way. So, you know, that if I'm sort of overarchingly what's cooking in APRIS, it's trying to solve those problems. Um, and that was, there was a very broad spectrum of things I talked about there, but, you know, that's our North Star, which is this omnichannel retailer is here to stay. Um, and retailers are working out how do they use the different channels in the most appropriate way. Consumers are working out what's the best channel for them to, to buy things and return things. And what we're trying to do is in, inject data science across all of that to make sure the experience is, is as good as possible and as profitable as possible for everybody involved. You know, you know it's funny. Um, the, the, the scope of opportunities, right, in this new environment, um, and some of them are just happenstance, right? Um, I've got three returns on my dining room table right now laid out. I've just finished printing the, the return label. Um, uh, well, actually, one of them came with a printed label. Right. The other two gave me, a, on the receipt, gave me a, a website to go to to tell them why I'm returning it and print the label. Um, and there was a fourth item that I didn't even have to return. They're giving me a refund, and, and it wasn't even worth them taking it back. You know, and, and I could see where, you know, from our perspective in the industry that we work in, um, when you talk about bad actors, there's a, a, a vulnerability point, right? Because if I, I suddenly realize that you'll send me merchandise and then give me my money back and not have me return that merchandise, how many times yeah. can I do that and who can I do it to, right? Um, but like you said, the, I mean, those pieces, uh, two of those retailers are in the UK and I'm going to be shipping that merchandise back. Um, now, granted, from what I understand, I know they shipped from the UK based on the, the shipping information, but shipping back, they're going to a US partner um, yeah. that's going to take them back locally. But still, like you said, you know, if it's $10 this way or, or possibly more if it's coming internationally and it gets here in, in a matter of days, you know, um, yeah. it, it just seems like there's a lot of opportunity there. You're right. Absolutely, Kevin. And, and like I said, a lot of e-commerce businesses have been driving sales, driving sales, driving sales. And now they realize, actually, we've got to look at the efficiency and the profitability of those sales, which clearly sits in a, in a loss perspective as well as we're talking about. And you, you touch on a very good point about bad actors. Um, you know, clearly, we're talking with a lot of our customers all the time. And as well as seeing this increase in, in e-commerce traffic, which we know comes with a larger amount of return traffic for the reasons we talked about earlier, um, they're seeing an increase in things like claims, increase in shipping claims. 
Um, obviously an increase in absolute numbers, but actually an increase in ratio as well. Um, and some of that is tied back to exactly what you're saying is people are trying these things out for the first time, understanding where there are soft spots or weak spots, like I get to keep the product and I get a refund, or all I need to say is it didn't arrive and you ship me another one. And then they try, right? They try how many other retailers can I get away with this on? So there's more attack surfaces, if you like, um, in an online transaction than there is in brick and mortar, right? If I buy something in a store and you put it in a bag for me and I walk out of the shop, well, I kind of walked out with the product, that's it, right? If you think about from an e-commerce sale, it goes through a distribution center, then it's a shipping partner, then it's left on somebody's doorstep. And, you know, all, and then, you know, was it the right product that was in the bag? Did you ship me the right thing or the wrong thing? You know, there's lots of variables there that need to be analyzed to look to see, was it a legitimate mistake in an issue? Or is this somebody trying to gain the system to, uh, to, get, to get a benefit out of it? And really what we're seeing is that the brick and mortar operators are highly sophisticated in their stores. But the e-commerce sides of the business have really grown as sort of a young upstart, as it were, almost like a, a um, well, yeah, like a, you know, like a nascent business inside some of these big retailers. And, and have grown as a startup with a startup mentality. And now it's sort of time for them that they need to act like their retail brother or sister, as it were, and, and act just like the stores because um, you know, people are now looking at the efficiencies of those parts of the business. So what we've been looking at is, well, how do we use data science um, to look at all these interaction points, look at customer behavior, look at consumer behavior, look at product behavior, and help direct this traffic in different ways to, to make things more sensible. I'll give you a, um, a simple example from, from my experience as well. You talked about your return labels uh, you know, on, your, on your door. Um, I saw an advert on Facebook when uh, one of these retailers that unfortunately went out of business this year was having sort of a closing down sale. And, uh, and they, you know, there was a T-shirt there that I liked the look of. So I clicked online and they said, yep, next, you know, two day shipping available for free. Great. I bought it. It was like 20 bucks or so. It wasn't an expensive T-shirt. And then, you know, about five or six hours later, I got the shipping notification from FedEx that is telling me, you know, my product's on its way. Well, when I, when I looked at that, the, I live, you know, near, near Fort Lauderdale in Florida, in South Florida. And the store that, this product had actually been picked from. It didn't come from a warehouse. It was picked in a store that was walking distance from my own home, like 10 minute walking distance away. <laughs> Yet the product went on a four mile round trip to Orlando, 400 mile round trip to Orlando and back before it landed at my front door two days later. So, it, you know, it, it leaves you thinking going, well, that retailer had all the science to know, one, that I shop in that store locally, two, where I live, that I'm close to the store, three, that the product was in stock in that store, but they still chose to incur that shipping fee and a two-day delay to get me the product rather than just telling me, hey, why don't you walk down the street and go and pick it up, right? Even if they were to give me an incentive to say, come down the street and we'll give you $2 to spend on something else in the store or $5 to spend something on the store, that would have been better for me as a consumer because I'd have thought, wow, this is great, right? The product, I can get it today. You're going to give me some credit on something else. And we're not, you know, destroying the environment by shipping a product, you know, halfway, halfway around the state or not, right? And it would have been better for the retailer. They would have had a more profitable sale. So I know that's not a traditional sense of loss as we think about it as, you know, people stealing from us or defrauding us. 
but it's absolutely a case of loss within the retail organization, right? But all the bits of data to be able to solve that problem exists, right? But what you've got to do is you've got to be smart. You've got to look at millions or billions of points of data very, very quickly to make a decision about how you service this customer in the right way to make it most profitable for you. Um, you know, in that scenario, if we were, since we were in the middle of COVID, that retailer could also have a look to see, had I been shopping in the store or had I been abstaining from shopping in that store, maybe making an assumption that I was concerned about the, the health situation in the store. So you can use all these other sort of nuanced data points to decide how to interact with that consumer and give them sort of that personalized behavior. And that's just one area of, of what we're looking at as Afris Retail. We're, we have a new solution set out there that we call Engage, which is focused on a lot of these different areas about how do we bridge the gaps between omni-channel and brick and mortar retail, make it more efficient and make a personalized journey for a consumer. Um, if you think about in days gone by when we were, you know, we all had small little shops on our, on, our, on our main streets and you knew the person that was running the store, um, you had an intimate relationship with that person. They knew who you were as a customer. They knew what you liked, what you bought, what you didn't buy and whatever else. And they didn't have fixed policies, right? They had flexible return policies, if you like, right? If you bought a product back and it said on the door, you can only bring them back for the next 30 days and you bought one back on 31 days, but the guy who owns the store knows you're a good customer, sure, he's going to let you return the product, right? You know, they had that flexibility. What we've seen with sort of this growth of, of big retail is that in order to protect against the losses that we see every day, people have had to put sort of draconian or very fixed rule sets in place about how a customer can interact with a retailer. But what we're saying now is that because of data and data science and our capabilities, we can almost go back to those old shopkeeping days and have a personalized experience for every consumer, not because we know them personally, but because the artificial intelligence that we can put together and all the data points that we have about the interactivity of that customer can paint as a very compelling picture. And we have to be careful that we're not creepy and we don't do creepy things with, with consumers because that's always a risk. But actually, we can make it better. We can make it better for the consumer and better for the retailer. And really, that's what we're trying to do with this suite of products called Engage. There's probably 12 or 14 different interaction points with inside the omnichannel retailer transactions that we can optimize in much the way I've just sort of described. Um, not everybody, not every one of them will be suitable for everyone, but we believe that it's ways where you can put more money on the top line of your business, protect the bottom line of your business without having to open a new store, ha having to have new product lines in there or having to attract new customers, right? Just do what you're doing, but be smarter about how you're, you're, you're interacting with the customers. Ironically, the customers have already made that leap themselves. When they look at you as an online business and a brick and mortar business, they see your logo above the door, they see your name and your color scheme, and they say, oh, this is the same business. But frequently, as we start to dig into those retailing companies, they, they're run like two independent businesses, the brick and mortar business and the online business. And we think what's going to happen over the next few years is that's really going to merge together. And products like the Engage product that we're building is almost going to be an arbiter that sits over the top of those things to optimize transactions and make it a better experience for consumer and retailer alike. Well, and that's the, I mean, as a consumer, it's always kind of what's in it for me, right? Yeah. Um, and that, that what's in it for me might be convenience, that might be incentive, 
Um, yeah. You know, I, I think the opportunity for, um, and, I, and I've had incidents even recently where it was both easier for me to return it into the store or there was that incentive that said, if I bring it back to the store, I get, you know, a 10%, uh, you know, while I'm there on, on another item while I'm there. And it just so happened I needed something else. So it actually got me back in the store and I wound up buying even more than that. So yeah. making it more, um, like you said, you don't want to be creepy, but, but it's a little more intimate of a relationship now. I, you know, I feel like they're dealing with me, you know, more directly as me. Right. Um, but I would imagine too, though, that you would also then be able to identify those people who are taking advantage and maybe do some Absolutely. of the same things that you do in brick and mortar, right? Because you've Absolutely. got the opportunities in the brick and mortar to say, hey, your returns are out of control. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe there's a way to curb that too inside for, for e-commerce. There is, there is. I mean, we the, the bonus that you've got in e-commerce is you know who the consumer is before they check out, right? When on the buy side of the transaction. And you don't have that in a brick and mortar world, right? So in the e-commerce world, you can look at a, uh, a consumer that's buying. And if you think they have a potentially fraudulent activity going on or abusive behavior, you can actually stop them before they make the sale. So you don't have to try and chase after them afterwards with maybe fraudulent returns or things of that nature. You can actually stop it much earlier in the transaction flow. Or if you think they're trying to abuse the shipping um, part of the transaction where they're always saying it goes missing or it's broken when it arrives, you could take the sale online and you can say, this isn't available for shipping. You have to pick it up from store. And you can dynamically do that based on people's behaviors. So at that point, you're protecting the risk on your side of the business, but you're still capturing the sale. And if it is a fraudulent actor that's going, that's thinking of doing some malicious, well, they're just going to stop that behavior uh, immediately because they know they're not going to be able to get away with it. So it's about the playing in the gray and, and, and looking at the nuance and looking at the millions or billions of interactions that go on and identifying those bad actors and those, those bad behaviors. But at the same time, looking at, how do we look at the good people who are by far and away the majority with inside your organization? And to your point, how do you incent them to do something that's good for them? And it's also good for the retailer so that we're not losing money on silly things that we shouldn't be losing money on just because our processes maybe aren't as buttoned up as they should be. Well, and or just being smarter about the how we're charging for that, right? Uh, maybe right. It's, a, it's a matter of adjusting the policy because quite frankly, you know, I, uh, one of the things that I bought recently, I had bought two shirts and I bought them in two different sizes because I wasn't sure which one was going to fit better. I needed them for an event. I needed them right then. So I ordered both of them knowing in advance that I was going to return one. Yeah. But if I have to pay the five or $10 to return it, I'm okay with that. I get that they're giving me free returns, but I actually, I know that that was on me, you know, and, and I would have been perfectly fine if they've said, you know, there will be a $5 return or, or whatever type of fee yeah. like that. And you think there could be opportunities for even stuff like that, right? There is, exactly. I mean, the, the, the example I always pull out is if somebody's buying three pairs of the exact same shoe in three different sizes, two of those are coming back. Exactly. Right? You know, the, exactly. They, they just stop. So if you say to somebody at that point, hey, I see you're buying this. We're going to have to charge you return of shipping fees. Or if you go to store, we know all sizes are in stock here. And if you go to store, we'll give you a discount, Right. Again, that's driving my consumer behavior. It's not being nasty to me. It still allows me to consume. No, yeah, not at all. Not at all. I mean, that's, that's great. Good options, right? It's yeah. giving me options. Yeah, that's fantastic. So what is Engage? Um, where is it at? And what's it, what is it driving right now for you? 
Sure. So, it, so a lot of the examples we just talked about, about things like dynamic sales policies, dynamic return policies, um, understanding how to incent people to return in store or pick up in store, all those capabilities are built. Uh, we're currently running with some early adoption customers uh, with those capabilities, and we're seeing some fantastic results so far, some great ROI. Um, it, we're looking at every discrete decision that we make or every type of decision that we make, that we've got an ROI calculator around that. And if any of you, um, shameless plug, but if any of your listeners are listening, if they go to acrisretail.com at the moment, there's a calculator out there which you can plug in some pretty simplistic values yourself and, uh, and see what the potential upside value case might look for you. Um, but, but we're hearing a lot of traction. Uh, we're getting called all the time about people saying, look, e-commerce is becoming a bigger challenge for us. How do we address it? And we're, we're just happy to be in the market with this with this solution. We think is really going to really going to put some uh, some huge benefits into uh, into a lot of our customers. I think that's fantastic. And and you know, it's I mean, it's not going to change. It's not going to go away. It's not going to get any different, right? Sure. Exactly. And and if anything, we've been introduced to that convenience of of the online environment. Um, and right. and as uh, as consumers we are famous for paying for convenience. So yeah. there are opportunities there, whether that's paying by I'm adding a charge or that's I'm going to get in my car and drive down. Um, but with that, what's in it for me, if you're also pushing you know, opportunities for me as a consumer to, yeah. and also to align more closely with your brand um, and probably obviously then be a repeat customer, yeah. right? You know, which is the other piece you want to drive, right? That's, that's right. I think the, the, the last leg of that conversation is also sustainability as well yeah. is yeah. that you know you just said you've got three boxes sitting on your dining room table if i go and look by my front door there's a pile of brown boxes there and when you walk in and out of the store in and out of the, the house you think is this really the most efficient way for me to get my goods right you know there is that pang of guilt a little bit right there is there is absolutely and, absolutely and there's going to be more and more of that and and there's a lot of research out there that says consumers are becoming more and more savvy about that and they're asking more and more questions about it so I think, you know, there's going to be at some point a, you know, people are going to have to talk about their sustainability practices and make it prevalent on their websites and things like that as well. So I think all of these things are linked. Um, you know, we're in an interesting world. Retail is always dynamic and changing. I think never more so than what we've seen in the last 18 months or so. And, uh, and it's an exciting time to, to put all these techniques and technologies that we have at our disposal these days into solving some age-old industry problems and some new ones. Well, Nathan, it seems like you guys have really seized the opportunity on this and it couldn't have come at a better time as more and more retailers are, are really trying to focus on ways to improve margin and profitability. But at the same time, the process that, that you guys are putting in place here actually works towards providing a better experience you know, for the customer um, and an opportunity to, to build brand loyalty um, and return business. So congratulations on that. And um, we're excited for you. And um, Great. Uh, when, and if anybody has uh, any questions, they can go where? Uh, they can go to acrisretail.com um, and there's a contact form there. Uh, we'll buy you a coffee and we'll have a chat <laughs> and, uh, and we, can, uh, we can see how we might, might be able to help you. I wanna thank everybody for listening today. Uh, we've been speaking with Nathan Smith. Senior Vice President of Product Strategy for Apris Retail. Thank you, Nathan, for your time today. Uh, you've been listening to What's Cooking, and now you know what's cooking at Apris Retail. I'm Kevin McMenamin. I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Loss Prevention Magazine and for LPM Media Group. 
It's a pleasure to be here with you today. And uh, until next time, stay safe and take care.